Section 19 of Whom We Shall Welcome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Whom We Shall Welcome. Report of the President's Commission on Immigration and Naturalization. Part 4, Chapter 11C. The Issues Reconsidered. The deportation process has come a long way since 1893, when a Chinese alien could be expelled from the United States unless the legality of his stay was attested by one white witness, or even since the 1920s with the shocking spectacle of flying squadrons of inspectors moving about the country, a single official regularly making the investigation, holding the hearing, and recommending a decision. Indeed, with some conspicuous exceptions, both admission and expulsion procedures have advanced steadily toward the achievement of greater fairness. The Commission observes these advances, but notes that some of the shortcomings that repeatedly have been subjected to heaviest assault by responsible and informed observers are still unremedied. 1. Uncertain Status of Board of Immigration Appeals to the Commission, it seems inexplicable that the Board of Immigration Appeals is not specifically sanctioned by statute and owes its existence only to a regulation of the Attorney General. Several studies of the immigration process and very considerable testimony before the Commission have condemned this situation and have urged that such board be given statutory recognition. A proposal to give such status to the board was passed by the House of Representatives in the course of its consideration of the 1952 Act, but was eliminated by the Senate. The tenuous status of the Board of Immigration Appeals, underlined by repeated changes in its allotted jurisdiction, is clearly undesirable. A quasi-judicial agency that exercises virtual life-and-death authority over thousands of human lives should be free to exercise its responsibilities in an atmosphere of stability and protection from pressures. In its Proposals for Organization of Immigration Functions, Chapter 10, the Commission recommends a statutory Board of Immigration and Visa Appeals with specific legislative authorization to make final administrative decisions in a wide variety of cases. The adoption of this proposal would be a step toward assuring fair hearings for aliens. Aliens should be entitled to bring appeal to the Board of Immigration and Visa Appeals without the payment of fees. 2. Commingled Judicial and Prosecuting Functions a striking phenomenon in the jurisprudence of our day has been the crystallization of concepts for fair dealing in the administrative process. These concepts have been formulated by scholars, by the legal profession, by official studies, by the courts, and in the legislatures. They have included a universal condemnation of the situation in which one official or group of officials acts as investigator prosecutor, and judge. This practice has been characterized as obnoxious to elementary standards of fair procedure. 
Those who have appraised the immigration process likewise have condemned its mixture of prosecuting and adjudicative functions. They have described it as a roadblock to impartial consideration. The Supreme Court said recently that the administrative deportation hearing is a perfect exemplification of the practices so universally condemned. But the attainment of insulation between prosecution and adjudication has been resisted, and is today not yet a reality. The deportation process, although it touches countless human lives, thus has lagged behind other aspects of administrative justice. The major burden of the testimony of the American Bar Association was to urge the application of the Administrative Procedure Act to deportation proceedings. The current hearing procedures should be examined in the light of the mandates of the Administrative Procedure Act. First is the need for restricting hearing officials to adjudicative functions, so that they will not be committed to the attitudes or aims of investigation and prosecution. In this connection, the Administrative Procedure Act provides, 1. That hearing officers shall perform no duties inconsistent with their duties and responsibilities as hearing examiners. 2. That investigative and prosecuting officers shall not participate in any decisions. From these requirements, it would necessarily follow, 3. That separate officers shall prosecute and preside at hearings. Present practice conforms only partially with this first objective. Of 119 full-time hearing officers in the Immigration and Naturalization Service on October 1, 1952, only two performed extraneous duties. However, several hundred other officers, principally immigrant inspectors, are assigned part-time to conduct hearings in exclusion cases. With regard to the above item 2, the immigration statute now provides, like the Administrative Procedure Act, that special inquiry officers shall not conduct proceedings in those cases in which they have participated in investigating or prosecuting functions. In regard to the above item 3, the departure from Administrative Procedure Act is even more complete than under item 1, the Act of 1952 provides that a special inquiry officer shall have complete authority to prosecute, hear, and decide exclusion and deportation cases, except that in some special classes of cases, fixed specifically or by regulation, an additional immigration officer may be assigned to present the evidence on behalf of the United States. The regulation does not require the assignment of an additional officer in any specific category of cases, but leaves the assignment to the discretion of the officer in charge of the district. In practice, an examining officer was seldom designated, and the vast majority of deportation hearings were conducted entirely by a hearing officer prior to the Act of 1952. The present hearing procedure in deportation and exclusion cases fails to conform to the now generally accepted standards for fair hearings. The normal practice in both exclusion and deportation cases under the Act of 1952 
is to have the entire proceeding conducted by a special inquiry officer who acts as both prosecutor and judge. Furthermore, officers normally performing investigating and prosecuting duties are authorized to conduct immigration hearings. Another major facet of the Administrative Procedure Act is the removal of hearing examiners from the supervision of officers performing prosecuting and investigative functions. This goal, likewise, is not fully met by current immigration practices. Even full-time hearing officers are subject to the immediate supervision of the District Director of the Immigration and Naturalization Service in administrative arrangements at the local level, and to overall policy supervision of the Assistant Commissioner in Charge of the Inspections and Examinations Division. Both of these officials are concerned with enforcement. Under such an arrangement, the hearing officer inevitably will tend to tailor his determinations to the wishes of his superior officers, whose sphere of action encompasses enforcement duties. Indeed, the 1952 Act explicitly declares that special inquiry officers shall be subject to such supervision and shall perform such duties not inconsistent with this Act as the Attorney General shall prescribe. 3. Independence and Competence of Hearing Officers Another major objective of the Administrative Procedure Act is to assure to hearing officers a measure of independence. This is done, in addition to the methods already discussed, by placing their appointment, ratings, compensation, and removal within the domain of the Civil Service Commission, independent of control in the agency in which they serve. None of these objectives is reached by current immigration policies. Hearing officers enjoy no such independence of status. They are civil service officers and are subject to the normal powers of the Attorney General as head of the Department of Justice to appoint, compensate, rate, promote, and remove them. The sponsors of the Administrative Procedure Act contemplated that the hearing examiner would be an officer with a high level of competence, and that the scale of his compensation would be adequate to attract outstanding individuals. Current immigration administration falls short of these objectives. In the previous studies of the Immigration and Naturalization Service, there has been a recurring recommendation for improvement in the caliber of hearing officials. Through the years, there undoubtedly have been marked improvements in personnel, but many have said that such improvements have not progressed far or fast enough. The present complaint seems to be directed far more to the low concept of the role and function of such officers than to the officers themselves, some of whom are recognized as meeting the generally accepted standards for such important positions. The Dimmock Committee reached the conclusion in 1940 that it was a mistake to recruit all hearing officers, as was done in 1940 and is still being done in 1952, through promotion from within the service. Of the 119 hearing officers now employed by the service, 74 formerly were immigrant inspectors, 18 were investigators, 
and 27 occupied miscellaneous positions such as naturalization examiner, patrol inspector, and officer in charge. Only 16 hearing officers are members of the bar, and five possess law degrees but are not admitted to the bar. Thus, less than 18% of the hearing officers have legal training. 32 hearing officers possess college degrees. This means that approximately 60% of the hearing officers do not have college degrees or legal training. The Commission is in accord with the conclusions of previous studies that it is of the utmost importance that hearing officers be possessed of adequate training and experience properly to discharge the duties assigned to them, requiring knowledge of intricate laws, regulations, and court decisions, and the capacity to deal justly with human rights and aspirations. Closely related to the independence and qualifications of hearing examiners is their compensation, Manifestly, officers of high caliber cannot be attracted to these positions unless they are offered reasonable compensation commensurate with their responsibilities. The compensation scales of immigration hearing officers during recent years have never attained the reasonable levels fixed in most other agencies. Recommendations The deficiencies in the immigration hearing process seem clear. In large measure, they result from a commingling of prosecuting and investigating functions, from the absence of real independence in the officers who hear and decide cases, and from what is said to be the inadequate qualifications of some of the hearing officers. The Commission believes it imperative not only that immigration hearings accord a maximum of fairness, but also that they give others confidence of fairness. In order to improve immigration administration, to ensure greater impartiality in rendering judgments, and to bring to the decision of these cases under immigration laws a fresh and more humane point of view, the Commission makes the following recommendations. Separation of Organization In the Recommendation for a Commission on Immigration and Naturalization, Chapter 10, Provision is made for a division of organizational responsibility between an administrator of immigration and naturalization and a board of immigration and visa appeals. The board of immigration and visa appeals would be a statutory board whose members would be appointed by the commission. The board would be concerned exclusively with the adjudication of cases arising under the immigration laws. The entire process of adjudication would be concentrated in the board, which would be independent in deciding cases. Its decisions would be administratively final on all issues of law and fact, and would be subject to review by the new proposed commission only in regard to the exercise of discretionary authority. Separation of the Hearing Function the Commission recommends that the examiners who hear and decide exclusion and deportation cases be separated from any enforcement functions. This would be accomplished principally by placing such examiners under the supervision of the Board of Immigration and Visa Appeals and removing them from the control and direction of any enforcement officials. 
such examiners would be prohibited from performing any duties outside of their responsibilities as hearing officers. A number of witnesses have urged also that the procedural requirements of the Administrative Procedure Act be applied to immigration hearings. The spearhead of this proposal is the American Bar Association, whose representative testified at the hearing in part as follows. We do not doubt the good faith of the service, nor its disposition to give fair hearings. We do not deny that the Act is an improvement on the Rider of 1951. But we return to the fundamental proposition that the provisions of the APA, taken in their entirety, represent a careful, well-considered view of the minimal procedural protection needed in a trial involving accusatory elements. This is not less, but indeed more true of deportation proceedings than of other proceedings to which the APA is applicable. The interest of a person about to be deported, and of his relatives and close friends, is among the weightiest and most significant that can be imagined. The need for invoking the purely procedural directives of the Administrative Procedure Act doubtless will be lessened by the adoption of the Commission's proposal for the separation of adjudicative functions from enforcement, subject only to a limited right of appeal. It may perhaps be urged that there is still a possibility that immigration hearing officers, lacking the relative independence of examiners chosen in accordance with the Administrative Procedure Act, may ultimately come under the influence of enforcement officials. To minimize this possibility, to remove a constant source of needless controversy and litigation, and to bring the deportation process in line with the uniform administrative procedures established by the Administrative Procedure Act, the Commission recommends that deportation hearings be conducted in conformity with the procedural requirements of the Administrative Procedure Act. All this would entail, in addition to the division of functions and organization recommended, is that a prosecuting officer be assigned to assemble and present evidence before the deportation examiner. There can be no substantial objections to making this a routine rather than the exceptional requirement it is under the 1952 Act. The practical difficulties would be negligible and the added costs inconsiderable. In reaching the conclusion that the added costs will be inconsiderable, the Commission has not lost sight of the estimates given to the Congress by the Immigration and Naturalization Service that the increased cost for that particular year would be almost $4 million, and that if all aliens charged in deportation cases demanded hearings, the extra annual expense might reach 25 or $30 million. These calculations were on the theory that in the case of every alien apprehended because illegally in the United States, a hearing would have to be given him by an independent hearing officer with the aid of a prosecuting officer. For the last fiscal year, the Immigration and Naturalization Service completed 42,252 deportation hearings. At the same time, voluntary departure without a hearing was allowed in 694,200 cases. If hearings were conducted under the Administrative Procedure Act, 
it would still be permissible for the service to permit voluntary departure without bringing the case to a hearing, as is the practice today. No factual basis whatever has been offered to support the conclusion that every alien apprehended because illegally here, or any number of aliens greater than those now accorded hearings, would demand a hearing if operating under the Administrative Procedure Act. Actually, every alien charged in deportation proceedings at present has a right under the United States Constitution to demand a fair hearing, so that the opportunity for delay exists even now for those disposed to resort to dilatory tactics. It has been suggested that a deportation hearing under the Administrative Procedure Act would be more time-consuming, and therefore more aliens would demand a hearing in order to remain in the United States longer. It is difficult to perceive the validity of such an assumption. In fact, it would seem that as a hearing officer under the Administrative Procedure Act would be relieved of the duty of studying a case in order adequately to act as a prosecuting officer, with that function being placed in another official, hearings should be less time-consuming than is now the case. Clearly, applying the Administrative Procedure Act to deportation proceedings will be somewhat more costly than is true under existing law and regulations. That cost, however, should be limited to the expense involved in hiring additional personnel to act as prosecuting officers. Judging this added cost against the benefits of a completely impartial and objective hearing the Commission is of the opinion that fiscal considerations should not operate against the adoption of the Administrative Procedure Act in deportation proceedings under the immigration laws. The Commission believes its recommendations in connection with deportation hearings meet the substantive requirements for a fair hearing and comply fully with the spirit and purpose of the Administrative Procedure Act. The exclusion process seems to be governed by somewhat different considerations. It deals with an alien who is outside the United States and who is not in a position to claim procedural protections equal to those accorded to an alien who has established residence in the United States. The American Bar Association has not officially favored application of the Administrative Procedure Act to the exclusion process. Moreover, in the admission process at the numerous ports of entry along the seacoasts and land ports of the United States, there is special need for speed and flexibility in passing upon cases. The application of the Administrative Procedure Act to the exclusion process would seem to hamper effective administration, and the Commission does not recommend that course now. It believes it would be advisable to study the results of experience under the proposals it has made before reaching a decision as to the need for additional measures. In the meantime, under the plan recommended by the Commission, the hearing officers who consider applications for admission would be responsible to the Board of Immigration Appeals and not to the enforcement officers. In addition to the other reasons against the application at this time of the Administrative Procedure Act to exclusion, the Commission believes that it would be inappropriate to attempt to use that act to control the procedure of visa-issuing officers stationed overseas. The proceedings before such visa officers should be free from unnecessary complications. 
generally their determinations would be made on a written record, consisting of an application and supporting documents. Unless extended inquiry is found necessary, there would be no need for any formal hearing in such cases. The visa-issuing officer's determinations would be subject to review by the proposed Board of Immigration and Visa Appeals. This procedure would provide appreciably greater assurances of fair play to the applicant for a visa than is available under present law. Improvement in Caliber of Examiners such improvement will follow to some extent from the severance of adjudication from administration. Freedom from ties with enforcement doubtless will tend to alter the outlook of the hearing officers. But changed organizational management will not in itself meet the need to which many of the studies called attention for improvement in the caliber and the competence of some of the hearing examiners. End of section 19 Recording by Maria Casper.